From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 46. Today's show is brought to you very kindly by Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, and Tapform's organizer, an easy-to-use yet very powerful database application for the Mac, iOS, and Apple Watch. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the wonderful Mr. Federico Vitigi. Hey, Mike. Hello, Federico. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you in the in the Great Britain with the with the heat, with the sun? You never see the sun. So what's up uh, with the summer there? It's very hot right now. It's very hot mm-hmm. right now. I feel like the sun is just parked in this country. You could say that it's getting hot in there. I, I could guess. say that. Yeah. Hmm. And I would say that. And that right there is re- the returning fresh from uh NASA, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, it's uh, it's so good to be back. I have missed you guys immensely. I've enjoyed listening to the show, so thank you again to David for filling in uh, last week. But it's it's good to be back with you boys. This this is where I belong. So it is. We've missed you. I mean, follow ups yeah. missed you more than anything. I just decided yeah, not to do it last I, week. <laughs> I, I, which is fine. Uh, I, I await your ransom demands uh, for follow up back. I believe is what you guys spoke about, um, but I haven't gotten oh, yeah. any. So I thought that we could just jump right in. I think we could just hit the ground running. Um, so last week you guys spoke about the iOS public beta. So like the OS ten public beta, you don't have to necessarily be a paying developer, but you can say, hey, Apple, I would like to test your betas. And uh, at least with OS ten, they seem to release like kind of every other or every third dev release as a beta release. So you might have, you know, three versions of OS 10 Yosemite, and then the public beta starts, and then you have some more dev builds in the public beta too. Kind of a slower pace. Um, and uh, I just wanted to clarify that this actually has been going on for a while. Uh, we have an article uh, over on Engadget um, saying that about iOS 8.3 was the first one to be in the public beta. So it's not necessarily new, but iOS 9 is sort of the first major iOS release Um to be to be in the public beta. Now I know you guys are probably running um, the developer bills at this point. I, I have not touched any of this stuff yet because I've been I've been away. Um, and I really, if you if you didn't listen last week, you should definitely go back and listen to the especially the conversation about the public beta from a developer perspective. I thought that was a really interesting take of like dealing with people who, you know, the the barrier to entry is lower than a developer account, but uh, you know kind of how you manage expectations and reviews and that sort of thing. It was a really interesting conversation, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's worth pointing out, though, that, like, whilst this beta process isn't necessarily new, I think an 8.3 update is very different to an iOS 9 update. And, like, the the, Absol- yeah. the problems that we were discussing probably aren't... Th- are, are, more, are, are less likely to affect applications on a point release... And then on a full blown OS, like full blown like cycle release or whatever you'd call it. Absolutely. So yeah, whilst whilst the public beta as a thing isn't new, I still think that everything that we spoke about last week is is still valid. No, uh, absolutely, and that was really my point. Of yes, like the people who wrote in to say the public beta isn't new. Yes, that is correct. But this is a whole new era. This is a whole new thing of having a. A major version of iOS, you know, a full uh, point release being uh, being new and on the beta. Um, so coming up next, Federico, do you have any more car Bluetooth dashboard workflow follow-up for us? 
Yes, that I don't know what I'm doing. That's my follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, besides the fact that I that I bought this uh, this accessory, like um, there's there's a sticker that you need to that you need to stick on onto your car's dashboard, and then the device itself you gotta like stick it to this magnet, right? And because of the heat in Rome, uh, the sticker is coming off from a, from the dashboard. Like the glue is kind of becoming like not so glueish if it means anything to you like it doesn't stick anymore because it's too hot <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's melting it's mad it is melting it's like an ugly substance on my car's dashboard and uh, each time i'm trying to go there and trying to push with my with my thumb and trying to you know make it stick again but it doesn't so i'm kind of kind of a bummer there uh but the, the main follow-up is that i got a bunch of people on twitter saying that uh the, the iOS 9 car reminders, they've been working fine for them. They just kind of connected to the to the Bluetooth uh, device on iOS 9 Beta 1 and Beta 2, and it just works. It, Siri is able to recognize that they, they are connected to the car. And I asked different people, like, what kind of device do you have? And I got people saying, oh, I, I got my uh, built-in um, Bluetooth like support in my car uh, other people saying i got an, a, a device from amazon and so i don't know because i i got this uh, little uh, accessory called the all key from amazon and it doesn't work with uh, the car reminders in ios 9 now could it be uh, it, it could be that it that it's a like a personal issue with my with my iphone and the ios 9 beta 2 in italy i don't know or these people maybe are kind of lying to me, but I don't know because I got pretty awesome followers on Twitter. So I, I don't think they're lying to me. I mean, why would they lie to me? So the only, the only theory that I have is that I got two readers saying that before uh, connecting to the Bluetooth in iOS 9, uh, the device was showing up with some kind of car multimedia property in the Bluetooth setting, which I don't see. So maybe there's like a car-specific kind of protocol or something that my device doesn't support. Although my device, I checked on the instructional manual. Uh, it's like uh, the, the Bluetooth standards. It supports, uh, I think they're called HFP and A2DP or something. Like th there's a bunch of different Bluetooth protocols that these devices support. And my, my car device appears to be kind of pretty modern. Uh, so I don't know. Basically, like, like I told you, Steven, I don't know what I'm doing. I guess I'll just keep waiting. I'll reinstall Beta 3 if it comes with Apple Music, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Because right now I'm back to iOS 8.4 on my iPhone, and I got iOS 9 on the iPad. But I don't uh, carry my iPad in my car, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait until Beta 3 and check again. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about Apple Music today, as you might expect, but uh, you guys spoke a lot about... Everybody spoke a lot about uh, Taylor Swift and Eddie Q and 1989 is on Apple Music. Um, I It was the first album that I streamed on Apple Music, so I, I've not really ever streamed music before, and I, or at least to any real extent. I've never listened to 1989, and so the universe collided, and I listened to it streaming driving around yesterday. So And? Eh. Oh, man, still, come on. Why? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it another try. Mm. I'm not willing to pass judgment yet. I did not love it on first listen. Mm. Um, but the streaming was 
fine. Streamed really well, driving around, no buffering or anything out on uh, LTE. So, so y- you were driving around in Tennessee listening to Taylor Swift on Apple Music. Yes, I was. I, it was very millennial of me, except for my location. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so as you guys know, I've been gone. Uh, I spent last week in Florida uh, down at NASA, of all places, uh, got to spend uh, four or five days there uh, covering the SpaceX launch. Um, they had a rocket that was going to go to the space station and with food and water and some experiments, some done by um, some eighth graders at a school in Colorado. They were testing uh, if you could, if worms could make compost in space efficiently. So they had uh, some worms and some garbage they were going to eat on the space station. And... Um, what a great experiment, man! That's so yeah. The the worms didn't survive the launch, but uh, oh no! <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was really cool. So uh, in the show notes, um, which can be found online, Michael, I believe. Yes, at relay.fm/slash/connected/slash/forty-six. Right. They can also be found in space. Yes. If you know where to look. If you know where to look. Um. The uh. Yeah, the cer- the little lines on our podcast logo are actually uh, our satellites that are flying around the Earth at all times. Yeah, bada chink. Um, so yeah, so I've got I've got three links um, there, kind of talking about the experience. Got a link to a Flickr set of a bunch of images. And by the way, Flickr has gotten awesome all of a sudden. Like that photo set looks really good. And I don't know when they decide to get better, but um, uh, really a, a very cool experience, kind of a once in a in a lifetime type thing to go see behind the scenes. Like this wasn't public tours; this was stuff um, that the public normally can't see, doesn't get to see. And so that was uh that was really cool as a space nerd. So I don't know if you guys had any questions, or uh, I, I got a couple more things I'd like to say about it. But um, sorry, a rocket blew up. Well, it's it's Elon's. Uh, well, Elon and Alexander. Uh, there was their rocket, really. So, yeah. So, uh, at launch, we were like four miles away, and uh, there's a video in that Flickr set. It's crazy that you. I mean, I, I know how sound and light work, and I, we were told what to expect. But you, even in the video, you see it before you hear it, which is just a really like interesting phenomenon to experience. Um, and we sort of saw it break up a little bit because it was over us. So it was kind of hard to see what was going on. Um, but yeah, you can find the video online. We'll, we'll, uh, there's a, a video of it on SpaceX website that we can find for the show notes. Um, it did sadly break up. They're still kind of looking into it. Um, but that said, it was still like really great to go like play journalist. We got to go to press conferences and ask questions. Uh, Microsoft was there. They they were sending two sets of the HoloLens. Yeah, it uh, blew up. Yeah, to the <laughs> space station. Yeah, the HoloLens, like some uh, guy on a boat probably uh, you know, swiped them from the ocean. That was probably a, a plan from Microsoft to destroy prototypes, just <laughs> blow them up on a rocket. I think there's easier and cheaper ways to do it. No, uh, but no, because nah. then when the HoloLens doesn't come out or it comes out late, they can just be like, oh, the, they blew up in the rocket. Um, We're sorry, you know. Satya not- will be all, yeah, well, we tried to, to send it to space, but it just didn't work. Yeah, so uh, it was the HoloLens stuff was actually really fascinating the The plan is to use it. Um, so, if if you're an astronaut and you're performing an experiment or you're doing a task that maybe um, you need extra help with, so you, you you're the training, you know, you need a refresher or you just need like an extra set of hands or extra set of eyes. 
you would wear the HoloLens and the feed is being beamed back to Earth. And so a technician or a scientist or, or a doctor, whoever it is, um, on Earth can be seeing what the astronaut is seeing and helping place digital o- objects in their field of vision and get to uh, interact with them in that way, which is like a really great use for that sort of technology, I think. It's actually one of the most interesting meetings I went to. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was really, it was cool to kind of see what Microsoft's doing there. I think it was really fascinating and a good, a good use of it. Someone in the press corps did ask about like Google Glass and the Microsoft guy kind of just, he <laughs> he just didn't answer that part of the question, but it's like, really? Like, you know, Google Glass isn't doing anything. But um, that is an interesting use of that technology. Like, it was interesting when they were showing like someone changing like a something in the sink, but the idea of it being able to help an astronaut fix something is really kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, it's one of those things too. Like they were saying that NASA and Microsoft have been working on this a long time together. So it's the, the impression I have is not that Microsoft built it and that someone was like, oh, this would be helpful in space, but that sort of thinking um was built into it from day one and not just in space right like if 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 you're uh you know working on a oil platform or you know something else and you need training or sort of hands-on assistance you could use it for that here on earth what was fascinating is they you know hololens if you uses a lot of sensors and stuff to kind of understand where it is and where you are in the world. And apparently all that stuff just worked in microgravity. They didn't have to like re-engineer special versions to go to space, which is just really like fascinating to me that uh, something that on the tin is a consumer electronic device can be used in that way is, is really exciting, I think. And um, I, I, it definitely gave me a new outlook on HoloLens as a platform that I didn't have before this trip. Yeah, that's awesome. That is really cool. Yeah, it's cool. So um, definitely, like, go read those articles, go look at the pictures. Um, you know, I learned, I was able to learn a lot. It's it's really fascinating. You know, NASA um, is in this transition right now. There's not a space shuttle program anymore. I got to see a space shuttle, which was really cool. But, um, you know, they're focusing on Mars, and, and um, I think that will be – actually, I think this and that will be a topic for us in the future, like the way technology is getting us uh, beyond anywhere we've ever been as a species before. In this, you know, they're fo- NASA's focusing on Mars, and they're letting these other companies, like uh, SpaceX and Boeing and a couple others, uh, worry about the space station getting supplies and astronauts back and forth. So, you know, SpaceX and Boeing are in these rapid cycles to get vehicles that can fly the space station and back, and this sets them back a little bit. Uh, fortunately, no one was hurt or uh, or killed in this, you know, the accident on Sunday. But which is really interesting to to kind of see, like. Um, I think I wrote it in the first piece, you know, I used to like sort of look at my parents, uh, generation and like the space nerd in me would be envious that they got to see like, man, like, you know, walk on the moon and like, there's not anything like the shuttle was around when we were growing up, but it was kind of, it wasn't the same level as excitement. And now look at my kids and, you know, they'll be, uh, you know, still young when, when we foot we first put man on Mars and that's like really crazy to think that that's the thing that's actually happening and getting to talk to some of the people who are making that happen and, and see the facilities and see that the vehicles are going to use it was just a, a huge, um, really exciting thing for me. You know, only 30 people got to do this. I applied during WWDC on a whim and, you know, got in and, and really, uh, a lot of fun. So it was cool. I'm happy you got to do it. 
yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like I told you, I think you and I spoke some when I was gone. It's like, this really is like, a, um, I felt a little indulgent, <laughs> right? Because like, you know, it, I mean, imagine if, I mean, the th- all, all three of us would feel this way if we got to go like a behind the scenes at Apple, like spend a day in the industrial design lab, spend a day here, spend a day with this group. And it was that level of excitement for me to sort of in a different category of my interests. So uh, well worth the, uh, the time off, uh, even, even from you guys. Are you saying that you prefer space to us? Uh, I I will say that I missed recording with you guys, but um, I was glad that the reason was what it was. Well, Mike, I think you're better than Mars. And I think that you're better than all of the solar system, Federico. Thank you, Mike. It's good to to know that that I got you here. We We appreciate each other, at least. Amazing. This week's episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com and you want to use the code WORLD. See? It's all all space at checkout and you're going to get 10% off at Squarespace. Build it beautiful. When it comes to finding a place for yourself on the internet, there is nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power that you need right into the palm of your hands and take away the stuff that you don't want to have to worry about, like what it takes to host your website, what it takes to scale it to make sure it's always going to stay up, or what to do if you get stuck with something. Squarespace are there to provide you with all of that stuff. And they do it as well by with giving you fantastic tools to make a really professional, great-looking website without any coding required. You don't need any previous skill level. All you need to do is know how to use a web browser and to drag and drop stuff. And pretty much it. I'm pretty sure that anybody listening to this show knows that at least. And with their intuitive and easy to use tools, you can make your site look exactly the way that you want. They use state-of-the-art technology to power your site and they ensure security and stability at all times. They are trusted by millions of people around the world and some huge companies as well. Squarespace's site templates are absolutely fantastic to look at. They all feature responsive web design built right in and they're and make sure that your site looks great on all sizes of device. Squarespace feature 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland who are there to help you if and when you need it. They have their commerce platform, which allows anybody to add a store to their Squarespace site. It's, you can sell physical goods and digital goods. Whatever you want to do, you can sell it right there. This is all built on top of Squarespace's rock-solid, fast hosting, and they have so much more that you should go and check out for yourself at squarespace.com. Their plans start at just $8 a month and you'll get yourself a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You can start a free trial right now with no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com and when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD W-O-R-L-D to get 10% off your first purchase and also to show your support for this show. We'd like to thank Squarespace for helping us out today. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So as you guys know, uh, Apple Music is now live. We've been talking about it all, all month and, and really even leading up to WWDC. And it's been out for uh, a couple of days now. Y- you could say that we've been testing it for a couple of days. And we have some uh, sort of first impressions of um, of the service. On, on principle, we've been testing it for years, basically. Yeah. You know, because we imagine this kind of service eventually coming, and now it's here. Uh, 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 theoretical beta testing. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a thing. Sure. <laughs> so, so you guys uh, were both on Beats. Of course, there's a lot of Beats audio in this thing. The onboarding process where you have the circles where you kind of tap about the genres you like and the bands you like, and you can dismiss them. Very, like, 
I really like the interface. It's very playful. Uh, that was from Beats. And, of course, a lot of the technology is from Beats. And, of course, the whole idea of human curation. You guys were using Beats. And I know they offered an upgrade path. Did that work for you guys? What was that process like? Mike, you should go first. It was a disaster. <laughs> this didn't work at all. <laughs> so this is because I used a US Apple ID to download Beats, right? Because it wasn't in the UK. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... Mike, if you go fake US, you got to go all in with the yeah, fake but I'm American not doing identity. Because I have like years and years built up on my UK Apple ID, right? That's where yeah. everything is. That's where iCloud is. So I updated the app. I signed into the US App Store, updated the app. Uh, opened it and it was like no you can't do this <laughs> so what's wrong with you so i press it now it says get started i press the button it opens music and it says we can only move an american beats music account to an apple id mm-hmm. which is, doesn't even make any sense as a as a message and all i could do is press okay and then that goes away again <laughs> game over yeah so, so you so, had to start over with all the recommendation stuff yeah i did all of that um, and it did okay, I mean, because I have some music in iTunes, right? So, like, the stuff, like, the For You, which we'll talk about in a bit, it was all fine. But my problem is now I have to, like, manually recreate and re-download everything again that I want to download for offline. So that's going to be a long-term process, which I've not gotten through yet. So for me, the process was really basically perfect because I I have a, a, an American Apple ID that I use for, for the iTunes store. And I have a personal Italian regular real iCloud account. So, but the process migrating from Beats Music to Apple Music, it basically like associates your old Beats Music account with the App Store account. So I just updated the Beats Music app and it told me like, hey, there's a there's Apple Music, do you want to upgrade? And I clicked OK and it took me to the new music app and there was like a dialogue and it told me, uh, this is your App Store account. Uh, if you want to start using Apple Music, there, there's going to be three free months and we'll give you $8 to, we'll credit you $8 to your Apple ID balance because you, you're switching from a paid uh, subscription and and I was done. I didn't see the, the bubble interface to... Pick right. my 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 music taste again, and I just got my username from Beats Music, my following list of bands and artists artists that I follow, and stuff in my library, and I started using Apple Music. Um, did you have to re-download your offline tracks? I assume yes. I don't have offline tracks. Interesting. Yeah, I always have basically four G or three G wherever I go. But so you don't mind using the data up? No, because I got enough. I got like twenty gigs on my iPad, and I got three oh. gigs on my phone. And plus, it's when I'm when I'm out and about, I'm usually with my girlfriend. And if I'm with my girlfriend or with some friends, I don't want to like isolate myself and listen to music. I want to talk to them. So usually, it, it's like a very rare occasion that I'm that I'm out and I need to use to I need to listen to music to a lot of music on three G. That it would be a problem. So it's not really an issue for me. Okay. Stephen, did they migrate your iPod Classic for you? Uh, they, I had to mail it to them, and then they <laughs> they brought the the music over. Just put it all in there. It was great. It was really uh, spectacular. Stephen, I got a I got a Beats sticker. If you want, I can like mail it to you in America, and you can stick it to your iPod. Perfect. You <laughs> <laughs> don't sound convinced. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Um. 
So before we get to the streaming stuff, do you guys want to talk about Beats One, the uh, radio station? I must definitely. Uh, let's do. just let's just do it. Let's just talk it over. So Mike, tell me, you seem to like. Uh, plus, you know Zane Lowe. So you're from the UK. You're you're familiar with this person. Yeah, we're buds. You're buddies. So, so I tuned into the first broadcast. Um, you know, and and it was. It was pretty much like what I expected, like, and I think it surprised people who aren't familiar with like the Radio One style of uh, DJing, which is basically how Zane is there. Like, so a lot of the stings are like repeated, and like, mm-hmm. so the stings are like the Beats One, that type of stuff. Always on, always on worldwide. worldwide. Beats One, <laughs> right? So that sort of stuff, like that. They play that a lot, right? That is just a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about American radio, but I know that that's who it is here, and people seem to be complaining about it. But the stings yeah. are there. Like, they're there for a purpose. Like, they're meant to, like, represent the radio station, and those things will be played a lot. They're played in the music. Like, people seemed upset that sometimes Zane would talk during the songs. Like, this is all mm-hmm. just a thing, and it's you either like that or you don't like that. And I do like that, because when I'm listening yeah, to the radio, same. I like the personality that comes through with DJs. Um because otherwise you could just listen to the tracks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, you know, I like it when he would, like, jump in during the Royal Blood song and be like, listen to this drum solo, and then there's a drum solo. Like, I like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, um, especially because I like his personality and style. Um, I really, really loved Zane's first set. Um, yeah. It was just all the music that I enjoy and it was really exciting and he was talking about like some of the behind the scenes stuff and he was saying like you know we didn't even know if we were going to be able to do this like we didn't even have all the music we needed like it was kind of crazy that he kind of just like was just talking very openly about the way that the station got set up and since then like I've been tuning in here and there like um Zane's show is the show that suits me the most some of the stuff uh from London and LA um it tends to be a little bit too rappy for me but mm-hmm. whenever i tune in like i can listen to it for 10 minutes and i'm probably going to find something that i like but the big thing for me is a lot of like the special shows that they're doing which i i need to kind of get to grips with the schedule a little bit more like it, there's a tumbler with the schedule and it's a little bit confusing but what it seems like it is is they play the sets every 12 hours like there's only 12 hours of programming every day and then they repeat it so it means that you can you've got a good shot of being able to listen no matter where you are in the world which is an interesting way to do this but it seems like a logical way to do it yeah i saw some some complaining i think from the verge maybe saying that you know apple's tagline of 24 hours always on you know seemed not quite true but i guess to your point the issue is that if you if you are truly doing new programming 24 hours a day like a lot of people in a lot of the world are going to miss big chunks of it because the yeah, you works. have to repeat it because, like, if I want to listen to um to Zane's show and it's at five a.m. or whatever, like, I can't do that. So, I think it makes sense to repeat it. Like, you do twelve hours of programming and repeat the programming, but they need to get a bit better as as uh presenters in how they talk about that. They need to, I think, they need to be a little bit more aware of it because, like, I was listening to um to Julie, I always struggle with her saying Adenuga. Adenuga's set today. And she was talking about like what else is happening this evening, but this was at like 12 p.m. So it's like at noon. So they, I think they need to start to be a little bit more aware of the fact that it's repeated. But these are all just like little things that will get mm-hmm. better over time. But I think it, I think it makes sense. And, but one of the great things is, as well, that I really like 
is that there are playlists created yep. of the sets. Um, and it seems like, from what I can tell, is the playlist is created after the second time it airs. So the show might air at 5 a.m. and then 5 p.m. And then sometime after 5 p.m., they create a playlist and you can follow each DJ in the Connect section and you can subscribe to their playlists because everyone was going crazy about the um, St. Vincent... Uh, mixtape. Mixtape. And I missed it both times, but now I have subscribed to the playlist and it is awesome. Yeah. But it's like it's stuff yeah. like that... I think that this is really interesting. Like, this is exactly the kind of thing that I was looking for because this is like, there is some, for me anyway, like, there's something romantic about radio in, like, radio now in 2015 and what that looks like. And, and I think it is about the fact, like, so I was listening, whenever I listen, like, there's stuff that I wouldn't choose to listen to, but I listen to it and I'm like, this is really cool. And it's, it's helping me find some new stuff. And, I don't plan to be listening to Beats 1 all day, every day, but what I've been finding I've been doing, and I know this has only been a couple of days, but times where I would just be, like, I don't know, like milling around the house or something, where I might not be listening to anything, or if there's just silence in the room, I just open, I just bring up my iPhone or open iTunes and just go to Beats 1 and press play and just see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, and I really like that it's there, because it's just always there with new music to recommend to me. And, and I think it really is a, a really, really interesting thing. Yeah, I did. I didn't think I would like uh, Zane's show as much as I as I am liking it. Like, I can relate. I feel to. He seems to have like an over caffeinated personality. Yeah, he's like crazy. Very en- yeah. energetic. In a great and if, way. And, and and when I listen to that type of music, I feel like I'm in the same way. And having another person that sh- kind of shares my same energy and like uh, upbeat mood in a in a, in a way, yeah. it's kind of refreshing. Your espresso brothers. Yeah, and it feels like it, and it sounds like it's contagious, right? Right, because it feels like he's having fun, and that's like I haven't been listening to radio in a long time, and it's a strange feeling having another person on the other on the other hand and picking music music for you, and 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 I don't think this is like traditional radio. I know that it's like, of course, it. It is similar to radio. Uh, you tune in and you listen to music and there's a DJ and the DJ, you know, picks the songs. But it also feels like a strange uh, in-between kind of service for now because it's a, it's in a hundred countries, right? And I was on Twitter the other day and there was people from America, people from France and Germany and India and, you know, all these other places listening to the same radio and the same mm-hmm. person and the same songs at the same time globally. I feel like, yes, the, the basic medium is radio, but the delivery, it's not traditional radio. I mean, it on the surface, it's you know it's the same concept, but the scale makes it different. And I, I, I agree with you, Mike, when you say it's kind of romantic, um, totally. Because it, like we lost the the personal touch, not not just in the DJ picking the songs, but the the interpersonal touch of multiple people listening to the same stuff at the same time and being able to discuss it on Twitter or message messages, whatever. It's very human and it's, I mean, it's been only three days, but I think it, if there's one thing that doesn't, that doesn't get annoying over time, it's 
you know, having the same feeling with other people, like empathy, when even while listening to music, that's not a that's not a, like a novel feature that you're like you try it for two days and then okay whatever. I want to keep having you know being able to discuss with you guys. Hey, did you listen to the same song? That that that's not a feature. That's a that's a feeling, right? It's, and it's different and and it's difficult to describe because I don't want to sound too like. Uh, I don't know, maybe cheesy, but it truly feels like it's a bunch of people globally listening to the same radio station. I know that the, the, there's people gonna say, yeah, but serious exam in, in America, I've been, they've been doing the same thing, but America is not the world. I'm sorry, Stephen. And <laughs> when you go on Twitter and you see all these different kinds of people listening to the same music, it... It feels so I unique. think it's important to point out that like Apple didn't create this. Like this is something that has existed. Like you could listen Radio. to BBC World Service, right? You could, everyone in the world could listen to it. But the difference is, is it's on your phone. It's on your phone. It's it's everywhere. Like and and also they're making a big point of it. There's a lot of promotion behind it, which is making people listen to it. So this isn't a new thing, but this style is new for us. Like. There would have been times in the world where, like, everyone in the, everyone in a country or whatever, or even like people across multiple countries, would sit down in front of the radio and they would listen to things together, and it was like the way that people watch TV, right? But the difference is, like, this type of radio, this like radio as a cultural touch point, um, people listening to stuff that's happening live on the radio, the music that's happening and talking about it, it's not new. But the way that this is being done is it's bringing this style to a new audience. And that's why it's like this. Like, you know, I know there are people that are going to be rolling their eyes mm-hmm. and saying, oh, you know, we had this when I was 15 or whatever. And like, I get all of that. But this is an experience that I think the three of us probably haven't had in this way. So that's why I think we're quite excited about it. Although I don't know how you feel, Stephen. No, I think it's great. Um uh, I wanted to say this a little bit later. I sort of have a fundamental like lack of interest in a lot of music discovery stuff. Um, so that sort of stuff is lost on me a little bit, but I agree. I think that this is something that older generations experience. I mean, you go back to like the ancestor of the podcast being like weekly radio serials and the entire like family, the entire nation would be gathered around their sets on a Sunday night to listen to a new installment of a show, some of that has been lost in our world of, you know, on demand, I can curate my entire existence type of life, right? Like I can listen to only people in the Apple space. I can only watch the news that agrees with my political views. And so I think, I think one reason like we're so drawn to this is sort of a generation is, is that sort of commonality that we can share about it. I mean, I don't, I mean, Twitter has been crazy the last couple of days. People talking about Beats One, you know, as it's as it's happening, and that's something that I think Apple tried to get across, like in their in their keynote with some of those videos, like the history of music video, of of trying to like recapture some of that magic. Where because at some point, and Federico, you said this a second ago about isolating yourself. Music went from a community or family and friends type experience to Something you did do by yourself with with the iPod and and the white earbuds, and of course that was going on too with the Walkman and Discman before it. And so this is sort of a a mashing up of those ideas. You might still listen by yourself in your car in your home, but you are listening to what 
all your friends are listening to as well. So that's really it's really interesting. I feel like I I saw many people on Twitter kind of making the joke that Apple in, invented radio on the internet, and I feel like the argument that that I really wanted to make is uh, in, in in fashion, in technology, in music, in movies, whatever. There's a basic uh, truth, and that's that history tends to always repeat itself. And when you observe all these changes in any type of industry, um, what you don't have to do, in my opinion, is to stop at the idea of, yeah, this was done 20 years ago. Because the interesting parts lie in the modern twists on on old ideas. In any type of endeavor, whether it's music, movies, food even, or, you know, fashion, uh, design, you can never... I mean, it's super hard to say, I made something that is totally new and doesn't borrow from anything old. But what's... The the good part is being able to kind of look at what used to exist before and what we have now and trying to catch the little twists the little changes and I feel like with Beats 1 in this very particular case uh, it's a combination of old ideas or radio the presenter you know the the little little stings during the songs that was done many 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 times before but today we have these devices always with us and we can have an app and we tune into the app and it's the same app for everybody and it's you know Everybody has this app and you go there and you tap a button and you listen and everybody can listen at the same time in a hundred countries. And there's all these modern things like you go to a Tumblr page and you open in a web browser that's on your phone and you can view a schedule and the schedule changes according to your time zone. And so everybody globally can make sure that they can listen to the same stuff at the same time. And I feel like saying, yeah, but it's like radio. You're literally comparing driving around in your car and tuning into a radio station with a knob, with a dial that you need to touch or buttons that you need to press on a small LCD display to having a phone in your pocket that's really like a a computer and that it's available to people like across the globe. I feel like the basic idea is the same, but the delivery is modern and is new. And Mm -hmm. I feel like more companies will uh, try to do this because there's... Again, history repeats itself, and maybe we're at the point where people kind of miss the the human touch, the the communality of being there with other people, even if those people are far away from you. And I don't know. It, it feels good. That's my my overall take so far. Let's talk about the actual um, Apple Music service as well. Um, I think that it's a a good first try. I think that there are some weird parts of the UI that need to be uh, cleaned up. Like it can be difficult at points to try and look at an artist if you're listening to them on a stream or like trying to find some information is weird. Some of the navigation and like the UI is strange. Like if you press, like if you're on a song or on an album and you press those three dots buttons and you get like 50 options pop up. Yeah, um, so I, I think some of that <laughs> stuff needs to be cleaned up a little bit, but overall, I think it looks pretty good. It works pretty good. Um, 
I personally haven't come into any gaps in what I'm looking for, but I know that like, a few people that I know have, like my girlfriend was looking for um, is it called London Grammar, the band London Grammar. Their album's just not on Apple Music. Um, so there are going to be some gaps, but there are some stuff on here that I've had to fight with in other streaming services like to try and get uh, the Black Keys, but they're on Apple Music. Um and then they're not on Spotify or audio. Well, their most recent stuff isn't anyway. Uh, so I found some stuff on there, which is great. And I've been able to kind of prune my library down to where I kind of want it to be. I had to get rid of a bunch of old iTunes purchases that I just didn't want in my library. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm 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 happy enough with it that that I would that I'm gonna that I am using it. Like the thing is, Beats had a bunch of foibles as well. <laughs> like Beats was not perfect. It had a bunch of really weird stuff and. Some of the weird stuff that Beats has doesn't exist in Apple Music, so that makes me happy. Like cutting off songs randomly, which was my biggest problem with with uh, uh, Beats. But so I, I'm relatively happy with it. But especially as a 1.0, but there are there is definitely some room for improvement in places. I have a, a list of things that I like and don't like. I've kind of been taking a lot of notes. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, can I just go over some of them because maybe too, all of them is too much? Yeah, looking at this document, all of them is too many. So, <laughs> but but I can sum up. I can, su- can. sum them up mm-hmm. really quickly. So my basic take is that it's a really fun interface. I don't think it is confusing, but there's many many aspects that like little tweaks and changes that I would like to see. Uh, some stuff should be horizontally scrollable. Like sometimes I I I can swipe. On on a like on an album or a recommendation, and it's a gallery, uh, it's a carousel that I can swipe. Other times it's not; it's an edge to edge like visualization visualization of three albums, and there's seemingly no difference visually between them. So that's kind of confusing. The, a big uh, thing that's lacking for me it's the there's no way to always go to artist or go to album when you're listening to a song whether it's from apple music or beats one i uh, this is one of the things that spotify gets right uh whenever you're listening to a song you can go to the artist of that song with the two taps or to the album containing that song and in beat uh, in apple music you can sort of fake it by uh, tapping the contextual menu, you know, the, the the one that it's like three meters tall. And uh, if you tap the artwork, sometimes you go to the song, other times it does nothing. And other times, again, I get unknown album when I tap on the yeah. artwork. So uh, that's kind of weird. And there's, I feel like that menu, it's maybe even too cluttered and there should be like some consolidation some, some, you know, basically prune it down and have fewer options or maybe have some icons instead of all text. It's like a wall of text when you tap the contextual menu. Uh, I also feel like it, there's some confusion when it comes to the uh, recommendations for related artists and albums. Like it, uh, when you're listening to a song or you're listening to an album, uh, sometimes I scroll to the bottom and there's you might also like other times there's there's not that option so it's kind of there's no consistency in the in the related uh, media that that it finds um, I've been a I've been a big fan of the to my surprise been a big fan of the connect section so far uh, I, I've discovered a couple of great bands from um, 
from the connect area because I missed, uh, for, for instance, yesterday I missed the uh, Zane uh, show and there was a, a couple of recommendations from the Apple channel into the connect page. I also like that some artists are sharing like demos and snippets uh, in the connect area like Trent, uh, Trent Reznor as a couple of, uh, I think, acoustic or instrumental uh versions of his songs and also Zed which is this guy does like electro pop music as a as a demo in the connect page so i know that yeah i like some of that stuff like i've seen a few people do that as well but like the like, what i find is probably quite entertaining about it is like uh the are the music i i assume the music labels are contacting the artist management as like you need to have three things uploaded today like that's how I imagine this is right now. Like I'm sure that at some point you're gonna get some artists that really embrace it. But the fact that there was a bunch on day one is like this was in the agreement, you need to do this, and then like Michael Bublé is like putting a piano thing up because I was you know, talking about pruning my music library. I was uh following Michael Bublé because I bought an album once for a Christmas mix. Uh, so I got to find out, I got to see Michael Bublé play a bit of piano. But it's like, it's not really a criticism, like, because it's like, whatever, but it just made me smile. I just thought it was quite funny that like a bunch of artists were definitely, like their label called and was like, you need to do this today. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the same boat. You, Mike, I had a lot of artists in Connect that, again, I bought a single from, or uh, I had some that like I bought a soundtrack and you know, a soundtrack is usually done by like, groups of artists and I mean, I think Apple did the right thing from their perspective of like lump everybody into here that you've ever interacted with in iTunes. But yeah, I, I went through and definitely pared that down to artists I actually really care about and not one that I accidentally or unintentionally followed, you know, years ago. Linkin Park had a, a selfie in the Connect page, which was kind of funny because they had like a professional intro video and then like a selfie taken obviously with the front facing camera because it was very bad quality it's kind of funny um i think connect I, looks really good yeah it's kind of like very similar to ping in 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 a way but also it does more like i don't remember having like demos and videos no, of I, don't, ping. I, don't, I think ping just like pulled in twitter or it was, i don't know what it did yeah, it was just like text uh, and maybe links to songs and albums on the iTunes store. This is, I mean, it's the, again, it's the same basic idea, but there's a modern twist in that artists can share even more types of content. I heard that if you sign up for Connect, you get um, a share extension on your iOS device and mm. you can share photos and stuff from the Photos app from other places on iOS. That's so, smart. Yeah, they, they have an extension for, for you know, for artists and it's quite cool, I think. Um, so we'll, again, this is one of those things you got to wait and see how it goes because it could be like you said, Mike, that the labels are saying, look, you got to go to the Connect page and for three months post at least two, you know, two photos and a demo each week. Um, we got to see if this is really genuine, that it really comes from, again, from Buble or from Linkin Park, whether they really want to share or whether it's like the assistant that is there and needs to uh, go to the connect page because the label said so. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I love playlists. The playlists, you know, it's like it's, we were talking about them, how great we loved them with beats, but... I'm finding some stuff that I'm just loving. Like, there's just some playlists in here that it's just like, well, this is just amazing. Like a bunch of stuff, like alternative stuff and, and things that I really love. And, and so it's great to like, they're, they're really pushed. 
up front and the, the artwork's great and you get a kind of a peek inside basically they show like the album artwork of what's in the playlists um and it has all of the stuff from like uh, beats where it's like deep cuts and you mm-hmm. know L, uh, non-lp tracks of oasis is one of them that i found and yeah I'm, i, I the love the playlist stuff i think it's so awesome yeah i and it's clever because in my case i often listen to indie rock and hip-hop and I have these two very different genres in my in my history uh, on 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 beats music and Apple music. And yesterday, uh, in the for you uh, recommendation page, I got a a playlist from the Apple music team uh, for like um, indie and hip hop songs. And it's like, there's a, a all these tracks with like collaborations between indie artists and rappers, mm. and it's very very cool. Like it shows that the more you listen, the more they learn from you, and they don't give you this computer made like list of songs. They give you this very small collection. It's like fifteen songs because there was someone who, like me, listened to these two types of music and sat down and said, "Okay, I need to put together this kind of playlist because it's again, it's clearly not made by a computer. It's from someone who knows what is recommending to people. And that's really clever. I do miss from beats music. One of my favorite feature uh, when I went to the artist page, um, you could browse, um, and there was very clever organization: uh, singles, albums, compilations, EPs, uh, remixes, remastered editions. There was all, all this metadata was kind of used to better organize albums, and instead in Apple Music it's just albums, and everything is thrown in there. So if you go to the I don't know the Oasis page, you see the albums, but you also see the singles, all the compilations, the EPs, and I feel like that feature in Beats Music was really well done, and I, I really want to see an Apple Music again. So what I wanted to, to kind of ask you guys, um, as an app, I feel like the interface is really fun and uh, modern, colorful, and it's got this kind of personality even in the, in the interface that I like. Uh, and as the, we talked about Beats One, and we talked about the aspects coming from Beats Music, so the curation and the recommendations in the front page. I want to take a look at the big picture because there's many, many small problems in Apple Music, whether it's how you manage your queue or, as I I just said, the organization of albums, uh, the love uh, shortcuts that you, you know, that you tap to say, hey, I like this song. Sometimes it doesn't work. iCloud, sometimes it doesn't, uh, uh, put the, the, the albums that you add to your library back to your Mac or your iPhone. So there's a many small issues, and I, I, I like to see those resolved. But taking a look at the big picture, I want to kind of talk with you about what Apple wants to do with this. And I feel like when it comes to the service, like you search for music and you stream music, even with all these small problems, the basic stuff is done and now they need to kind of just, you know, tweak here and there and improve. But there's just so many ways you can search. And at one point, what else can you do with basic search or, you know, the new page? That's just the basic of streaming. And that's done, I think. Like done in the sense that it's only 
iterative improvements from now on. And I feel like the areas where Apple Music really will grow and where we will see innovation and changes, like very global scale stuff, that's in the Beats 1 and Connect. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking, so I have a couple of ideas. Um, Beats 1 sounds like, obviously, an, an international expansion is in the cards. And I can only imagine like local channels or an Italian Beats 1 or a French Beats 1. And well, I don't think it will even be Beats 1. Like, I mean, it's clear to me in the name that oh, there yeah, will beats, be a Beats, beats two. 2. Beats Italy, Beats France. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I'm thinking international expansion. And for Connect, I also see a lot of potential there. Uh, I mean, right now you go to the Connect, you see a selfie, you see it, you listen to a demo, see a video. Uh, but can you imagine, like I'm seeing a lot of artists already share screenshots of concert dates and locations. And it seems so obvious to me that one day you will be able to buy tickets for a concert with Apple yeah. Pay inside Connect. That feels See, like a natural evolution, like because I mean, you know, if you if you look at where I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you. If you look at where it is now, where Apple Music is right now, where Connect is right now, the bones of the service are there. So now it's a point of like, where do you go next? Okay, so mm-hmm. we keep adding things in, right? So what's first, right? Well, let's add merchandise so you can buy band T-shirts of Apple Pay. Fine, let's do that. That's done. Great. And then can you know different merchants merchants can set up their stuff and connect. Oh, let's get merchandise in there now too. Right. Great. Let's yep. do that. Merchandise is in there, and then you start seeing like more exclusive stuff like iTunes has been doing forever, and you you know you end up with Apple Music is the only place to buy X person's album. I mean, because it, it really just means like where are they going? And yeah, you know, the idea is now they have a bunch of people on staff who have been music executives for years. So it's like, well, what do they do next? Does Apple become a label? Like, what do you do? Like, where do you go with this? Like, if you keep stretching it out, there is a lot of different places that Apple could take this if they really, really want to flex their music muscles. And buying a company like Beats and bringing on everyone that that brings on uh, and keeping those people on staff, it does say to me that, like, Apple is is waking up again to how important music is in their business. Yeah, exactly. Because they kind of they kind of slept for a bit. And yeah, true. And, and I think that there's something key to say that like music was one of the things that saved Apple. And mm-hmm. maybe they're realizing again just how much of an impact that can have um for their core business. Because it's you know music is again everybody almost everybody likes music. And or listens to music, at least on a daily basis. And it's one of those things that clicks for people, you know, when you're able to listen to music in a way that that's easy, shared, uh, friendly, and relatively cheap. I feel like people can relate to that. And what you mentioned about, you know, Apple working with the industry, it feels to me like Apple wants to help the industry, help the fans of music, and help themselves, of course, because people will come to rely on Apple Music and will buy maybe iPhones or at least pay Apple as a subscription to use Apple Music. So in this way of helping different, uh, you know, uh, working towards different goals, but with a common product that can, you know, help people listen to, listen to music and pay for 
again, maybe in the future, concerts or T-shirts or like exclusives. I feel like that with the simplicity of, of an iPhone and maybe Apple Pay, you know, Touch ID, all this stuff, you remove a lot of barriers. You remove a lot of friction from not just listening to music, but the, the, the world that gravitates around music. Yeah, the whole experience. Yeah. So, Stephen, tell me before we move on. Uh, what are you going to do with Apple Music? Are you, do you think that you're going to use it or are you going to go back to your your hand-picked library that you, that you have, like, nurtured? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I've streamed some stuff, um, like we talked about uh, earlier in the show about uh, 1989, driving around town. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with, with Apple Music yet. I've done some streaming. Um, part of my, my issue with it is is that during the day I'm at my Mac and uh, while the, I... There are issues in the UI and UX of the iOS app. In iTunes, it really feels just grafted on to what they already had. So, you know, a lot of people, this is a return to iTunes who maybe haven't used it in a long time. Um, but as someone who's been in it every day for like a decade, it, it definitely feels added on in sort of a weird way where it's just sort of in the music tab across the top. Um, I was ex- expecting it being a little more broken out. That's sort of my one of my key problems with it. There's a lot of like blurred lines between your local library, what is available to you on iTunes Match if you pay for that, which I let my subscription expire this year, and uh, what is on Apple Music that you have you know downloaded locally to listen to. So it's uh, I understand why they're doing it. Um, I mean, obviously Apple doesn't want you to worry about library management anymore, and that's fine. It's not for me, uh, but. For those of us who do want to keep local music um, and then use this to augment our libraries, I wish it were a little bit clearer where things are and what's available to you where. There's been a lot of conversation online about, hey, I, I told this album to download in my phone, but it's iTunes doesn't see it because I have iCloud music turned off, but I have it turned on. It does this other thing. Um, there's a, a article by our friend Christina Warren yesterday on Mashable saying that if you start mixing these things, iTunes will blow up your metadata in your local library, which is not super great. Um, for me, it's just that that lack of clarity is a is a problem. But I think where I, I I may settle, depending on how this trial goes, is is having my local library and then streaming things that aren't in my library that I want to listen to, um, but not really mixing you know the local downloads in very much. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it's it's only a couple of days old, and the ninety day trial is so brilliant for people like me who are really on the fence about this sort of thing. Um, I think I'll have a pretty definitive answer by the by the end of the trial. So so many differences between the way that you listen to music and the way that I listen to music. Mm-hmm. Like I almost never ever browse my library. Uh, every time I want to listen to music, I either go to the recommendations page, so I let the service give music to me, or I search for music, whether it's text search or Siri. Now with Apple Music, I never just uh, go to my library and scroll and I go to the artist and I say, yeah, I want to listen to this one. I just either search for a song or an album or I let the service, you know, push music to me. Uh, so it's interesting to hear, like, I, I n- didn't even think about the problems, you know, for iTunes Match and iTunes libraries. So that's fascinating to hear, Stephen. Yeah, and uh, Serenity's done a lot of good work over at iMore explaining those differences. Um, and I mean, if you sit down and read all that stuff, it does make sense. But in the UI, um, Apple should should clear that up. And you know, this is it's sort of like for me to like to back up from music for one second and kind of talk about Apple. 
Like this is kind of two products in a row following the Apple Watch where the, the UI is complicated and not immediately obvious to everybody. And I understand this, like music, the music app is doing a lot of stuff now. Um, and you can go into settings on iOS and turn some of it off. You can rearrange some of it. Same thing in iTunes, you can turn it off. But it's there's a lot going on in here. And my, it's my concern is that it's not immediately clear what to do. Not from a, I might lose my music standpoint, but from a, like, Apple is not doing super great at, complex software UI design right now and I would like them to be better at it. But is the watch really confusing I think after I, two months? I I, th- I think once you get used to it, it's fine. Like I, I, I never second guess myself now, but it took a while and there a lot of people, um, a friend of mine just unboxed one yesterday and she was like, how do I, I mean, she was asking me very simple questions um, that, you know, she. I think her assumption was that she could just turn it on and start using it because for a long time that's how Apple products have been. And I, you can grow into this. And I think after maybe even as much as the two of you have used Apple Music, you already have the UI down, but that learning curve is a new thing uh, to a degree. And so I just, I would like them to, um, I, I don't think the answer is to do like iPhotos for iOS ad where it's like a, a UI overlay with a bunch of errors on it. Like, please do not do that again. But but I think there's this room for clarity, and it's a 1.0, and it's you know clearly they had a they had the issue of they're sort of smashing beats in the existing music app together, and there's just that's just a lot of work to do. So I think overall they did a good job. I just wouldn't mind a little extra polish on it. Is really all I'm saying. Cool. Right, let's take our second break and then we have a couple of uh, of little quick topics that we want to get to today. This week's episode is brought to you by Tapforms Organizer. Tapforms Organizer is an easy-to-use yet very powerful database application for the Mac, iOS, and Apple Watch. If you remember Bento for the Mac, then this app is going to blow you away. Tapforms comes with a large selection of ready-made forms just waiting for you to fill out and customize. But of course, you can create your own forms as well from scratch with zero programming knowledge required. The Mac version has a custom layout designer that enables you to easily create professional-looking forms with your own company logo, photos, checkboxes, pop-up buttons, and so much more. And ex-Bento users will be thrilled to know that Tapforms also includes a native Bento template importer. This makes Tapforms the best and easiest way for Bento users to retain all their data and move forward without having to purchase a more expensive alternative. Tapforms will also let you sync your data between all of your devices using iCloud or Dropbox, share from form templates with friends, families, and co-workers. You can create your own labels. They have their own printing engine that includes over 1,000 Avery label templates, and you can print 24 different types of barcodes as well, including ISBN and QR codes if that's your bag. You're able to import and export from Excel and Numbers, and there's just so much more. I could be here all day telling you about all the features that this app has. Um, It's really, really something special. You should go and find out for yourself at tapforms.com. That's T-A-P-F-O-R-M-S.com. If you have any need for a database app, you should be checking this out. Thank you so much to Tapforms Organizer for sponsoring Connected. So Bento, man. Haven't heard about that in a long time. Yeah, that brought me back. Um, Yep. I had a custom bento job or a custom bento template at an old job to track stuff, and it was brilliant. Um, so, Federico, uh, I assume you're starting the uh, the hard work of your iOS nine review. Yes, I have. I started taking notes. Well, um, I'm taking notes. I'm I've still gotta watch some videos from uh, the WWC sessions. Um, 
my plan this year is to kind of do more. I want to have a, like a proper iOS review because I feel like in the past few years, it's never been like a full-on review. It's been more like always a story, like an opinion piece, very in detail sometimes, uh, but still an opinion piece that didn't cover all of the features. I just took like a sort of, here's what I use in iOS and that this is my, my article about it. And this year, I feel like it's appropriate to kind of for, maybe sometimes even force myself to use Apple apps that I wouldn't normally use. And that's leading to some interesting discoveries so far, just like, you know, using Apple Mail or using uh, Notes or Reminders or the podcast app. Because I feel like I've been using iOS for so long at this point. And, you know, to, 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 to do anything for the website, you know, I, I use it every day, whether it's on my phone or my iPad. And I feel like I kind of owe it to my readers to have a like more in-depth, complete uh, review of iOS. So the approach that I'm taking is, I I mean I I'm, I cannot cover the more technical aspects, but I I do want to write about and I want to test all of the con- consumer-facing uh, aspects of iOS nine, and I kind of want to try to see whether in this, during this summer I will be able to kind of talk to developers who are using some of the new APIs in some new apps that don't, you know, these features are not available in the system. Like I'm thinking about, uh, there's a new way to record gameplay in video games on iOS and you can share a video. And I want to see if, I mean, Apple doesn't use this. So when you set up a new iOS 9 device from scratch in September, you won't be able to see this feature. But maybe there's an app that will be able to use this new gameplay recording API. And I want to see if maybe in my review, I can sort of talk about the APIs in a way that's more practical because I have examples. So this is why I'm taking notes. Um, I'm taking a look at the, at the more accessible sessions that I understand. And I want to talk to developers. I want to... I want to see if my review can go very in detail in a bunch of different features that I wouldn't normally cover. And I want to see if I can have examples of what I'm talking about instead of having just a list of here's what's new in Safari, here's what's new in Notes, here's what's new in Podcasts. And this is kind of the approach that I want to take and also see, of course, once I'm on iOS 9 full-time on all my devices, because right now I'm back on iOS 8 on my phone, uh, I want to see how it changes the way that I work. And especially, I mean, obviously on the iPad because of multitasking. But that's been a slow process so far because I don't want to write while I'm still digesting the information. And I, I feel like I don't have a complete thought around iOS 9 until all the apps that I use on a daily basis, or at least my most used ones, are updated to take advantage of iOS 9. So so obviously you mean with betas though, right? Because otherwise your review would be really late. I'll need betas and so far some developers have been using hockey again to put uh, builds for iOS 9 for testing uh, we're we're all waiting for test flight to start accepting iOS 9 builds for external test- testers because right now it's only for internal testers for a company so uh, yeah I'm talking about betas and uh, I feel like I've started an outline. I have a basic structure. I have uh, the introduction. Uh, I've already written what I basically like five paragraphs of what I want to uh, open the review with. Uh, 
but so far I only have many notes in different notes in in, in the app. Um, so every time I go over a session video or a particular feature, I create a new note and then I uh, basically uh, have the, the the outline of what what's new, like the basic summary, and then my thoughts at the bottom. And I'll, I'm also keeping a list of features and problems that I want to see or that I encounter with the iOS nine betas. Uh, all the problems and all the feature requests I create a rather. Uh, on the Apple bug reporter, and I save the number of the of the radar, you know, that I, that I need to that that I submit to Apple. And when it's fixed, I, you know, eliminate the the, the note from my from the notes app. If it's not fixed, it'll become a problem <laughs> in my review. Um, so I'm taking this approach. I want to see how it goes. Uh, I feel like. In, later this month, or maybe even in two weeks, I will be able to start writing. Uh, like I'll be like in lockdown mode for a month and I'll see how it goes. So Federico, you are using uh, the Notes app with iOS 9, I assume? Yeah. Are you writing in there or is that just sort of a research kind of outlining phase and then you're moving into editorial to actually write? Yeah, I'm just taking notes and, you know, like very small ideas and points so far it's like outlines and brief notes i wrote the intro in the notes app but i feel like i should move that to editorial and start writing from there because every time every time i write for me the main problem is like seeing the empty document the page below like no text and that like huge hole of emptiness is my biggest problem when getting started with an article and so I think I'll just put the outline in there like merge different notes in a single text file in editorial and just start writing and without worrying about the outline and I can go I can put together a very long review in even in in two weeks if I want to but I want to kind of take a more uh, a slower more considerate approach this time again because I want to kind of do more and I kind of want to I want to offer the readers a more complete look at iOS from the perspective of someone who really uses iOS. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I need to be a grown up this year. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it. I think it's great. And like I know, I'm the same way. I'm always the hardest on myself, like when it comes to past work. But I think you have covered iOS really well in the past. Um, but I kind of see what you're saying. Like there hasn't really ever been like a Syracusean level of iOS review and. Um, yeah. you're the guy to do that and uh, you'll do it for 10 years and then you'll you'll have to uh, retire but um, no I don't think so <laughs> I, I'm excited because you know one thing that you're good at and the Syracuse was good in his OSIN reviews was like finding the little like nooks and crannies of the things so the three of us were talking before we recorded about a way to like rearrange the share sheet stuff. And like one of us wasn't aware that that's the way it worked or that it could work that way. Cause there are multiple ways. Uh, same on the Mac. There are multiple ways to get things done sometimes. And um, so seeing all that detail fleshed out, I think is really exciting, you know, seeing sort of the, the fine grained details about like, well, what can you do with notes? Like I know from Apple's website, I can do bulleted lists and I can do a bunch of rich text. And I can do photos and but like what, like, what are the limits of that? How far can I push it? What is reasonable to do within it? Um, I'm excited to read that as someone who, you know, who uses iOS, you know, uh, every day. Uh, not as, like, my primary system, but 
we'll talk about more this more next week but like you know i've got um a lot of stuff going on and like i'm changing some of the ways that i work and i want to be able to use the ios more and so you know that coverage is something that excites me as a as a mac stories fanboy thank you no pressure federico no wow like steven's he has no expectations for you clearly no, no, it's like, <laughs> just just yeah. start writing, buddy, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm trying not to think about, you know, um, maybe getting people excited to, about this. So maybe even talking about it on the show was, was a mistake. But maybe it was, a, instead it was like therapy, you know, I can talk in the open about my plans so I don't have to live in secrecy anymore. And uh, I can I can also, if you want to, like have progress reports i would like that very much actually that's what i I was about to suggest um because look at the end of the day this is like it's not a secret that you're going to do something so we may as well talk about the process of it a little bit yeah it's very like open open development like uh like uh early access to my reviews (laughs) we're green lighting it man (laughs) yeah thank you Appreciate that, Mike. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I gotta go over some final session videos, and then I think I'm good with the, with starting the the writing process. Cool. All right, guys. I think that about wraps it up for today. Yeah. So um, there is just one last thing that I wanted to mention before we finish today. Uh, we have a new show uh, on Relay FM, which is an interesting thing for people that listen to this show. But I think it's something that they should check out. It's called Material. Um, and Material is a show all about Google and Android, which is, you know, come on, guys, I want you to be open here, right? So the show, it, it hosts, its hosts are Russell Ivanovich, Andy Anatko, and Yasmin Evgen, and they're talking about everything that happens in Google and Android. And one of the conceits of the show, one of the things that they care about is to create a show that has this topic, but is created to be listened by everyone, right? So they, they want Apple users to listen to the show and it's something that i wanted and i know that we wanted for a long time at relay is to be able to create a show about google and android that can be listened to by anyone so people can kind of like keep up with what's happening in that world um and, and i think it's gonna be stuff that's really cool the episode one and a special episode zero is out um and you can check them out now at relay.fm slash material um, and I think that you should because it's going to be awesome and it is awesome. I've already heard the first episode and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So please go give it a listen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's real quick. It's, it's a super exciting, you know, we've talked about, like you said, talking about doing a Google show for a long time and, and, um, uh, Russell and, and, and the group have done such a great job, uh, making it accessible. You know, I was listening to, uh, episode one the other day and, uh, it's their their approach to it is not um you know google's is the the only way but again like we all live i mean they even talk about it in the show like we all live in multiple ecosystems like we've talked about it here where we use apple hardware and we use icloud but you know we also like use google apps like relay runs on top of google stuff and um and the reality is that no one live most people at least don't live in a single uh, companies camp but we we bridge and we do different things and so approaching um google the way that we approach apple here on connected uh, i think the, i think the two shows are very complimentary in that way and uh you should definitely check it out it's really great and uh we're just so thrilled to be working with those guys 
So that about wraps it up for this week's episode. If you want to find the show notes for today, you should go over to relay.fm slash connected slash 46. Thanks again to our sponsors, Tapforms and Squarespace. Thank you for listening. And also thanks to my co-host, as always, Mr. Stephen Hackett, who you can find on Twitter. He is at ISMH, and he writes at 5tallpixels.net. And Federico Vitici at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He writes at maxstories.net. And I am iMike at I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.